All right, guys, just a quick note before we begin. Uh, the Anchor app, which is what we use to record these podcasts, has a playback issue some of the time where it overlaps audio and it really has no fix. So unfortunately, we went through this whole recording and then realized there's a bunch of audio overlap where two people are talking at the same time. You could still hear it, so we decided to leave it up because it's such an interesting and informative and just good podcast with one of our close friends. So we're going to leave it up, but just so you know, we weren't talking over one another the entire time. It's just a glitch, uh, and I hope you enjoy it regardless. Now, let's get to the show. Welcome to the Social Witnessing Podcast, observing the world from a nice, safe distance. All right, Social Witnessing, episode 24 with our good friend Amrit. Hi, Hi. Amrit. Hi, Amrit. Hi, how are you guys? Good. We can hear you. <laughs> okay. Does, does it sound different? Yeah, it sounds yeah. better. Sounds okay. much better. So your Wi-Fi must be a little, for, for anybody listening, we just tried that. This is like our fourth, fifth time trying this recording <laughs> and we've had a lot of feedback, but it sounds good now. So maybe we fixed it. Oh, how is oh. it going, Amrit? Yeah, it's going okay. Like today feels a bit different because they announced all these changes that are coming up in BC starting mm-hmm. mid-May. So it feels like the end is nearing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys feel that or no? I don't feel that. Uh, I feel like it's more of a political thing, but we're probably going to get pretty deep into it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't know if you wanted to get deep into it and for me to like run a bunch of numbers from what's happening worldwide and put the fear of the Lord in some people, <laughs> or we could just save that for tomorrow and we could just talk about what your life's been like. Yeah, I think it's probably best to save that. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's stay somewhat positive on this one. Yeah. So if, if you're into doom and destruction, tune in tomorrow. There's a doozy. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> um so so what's your uh covid journey been like what's the last couple of months how have they been and um kind of what are you going through it's been pretty rough i have to say like it's been i live alone so um feeling totally isolated and like as you guys know i lost mike four years ago and you know still i i still have a lot of feelings of grief and i feel like this period has really intensified those feelings Mm -hmm. um and then not having your support network to rely on um, has been tough so emotionally it's been pretty rough Uh, I think that there are lots of things about this experience that have made it easy for me like you know my work my school hasn't really been interrupted except that it's all online but kind of suits me Mm -hmm. Um, yeah so it's emotionally been rough but logistically it's been okay and is it just the solitude do you find that's kind of bringing up the grief or at least intensifying it? Or is it more about this, like what's going on in the world or what do you think? Um, I think it's, it's not what's going on in the world. Like, I think I understand that more from like a scientific place in my mind. Like I, I'm able to separate that. Like that's not really giving me death anxiety or anything like that. I think the grief is being intensified by, um, feeling lonely and also just having time to think, having all mm-hmm. this extra time to just understand myself more. And like, I think, um, you know, for a couple of years, like I felt like I just lived in shock. 
and then it was about like hurrying to pick up the pieces of my life so it's been a long time since I've been totally still and mm. uh, yeah I'm saying I think I'm processing grief on a more profound level because I have time and space to think I'm forced to have time and space and nothing else to do right nowhere to go <laughs> except for like at home with yourself and do you feel like you're getting any progress from that or do you think it's just or is it just more of the the negative side of things uh I think I am getting progress like I don't know like everyone has their own ways of dealing with grief and depression and I think um for me it was like um just the process of I'm not sure like I'm not sure what it was that gave me a lot of strength and resilience um around the beginning and now it's sort of like sitting with those feelings and yeah it's really hard but I think maybe that's what I need and I didn't give myself a chance to do before so that's one positive thing I'm I'm trying to take from it and not that like I'm not always like you need to see the silver lining sometimes there's no fucking silver lining sometimes it's just a black cloud but I do feel like um, <laughs> this could be a sign of growth for me and it could be a sign of um sorry not a sign but just my body telling me that um I need to go through this Mm -hmm. And um, just like just for anybody listening, because I know not everybody listening um, knows you and your story. Uh, Mike was your husband. So just for everyone, anyone listening. Yeah. So Mike passed away suddenly four years ago. And I think it's probably a big like I think everyone in your family is probably dealing with a lot now. I think even in with I think we talked about this early on. Anyone else, too, that has trauma or is had things that they thought they had sorted this time has left them a lot of space for those things to kind of come up again and you kind of realize oh I, I haven't fully dealt with these mm -hmm. feelings or wow that is still there it's yeah I wonder um do you have any like advice for people that are kind of going through the same thing where like things are coming up again and like how to maybe manage um, those feelings it's so hard because I feel like everybody's living situation is so different like, I just, I feel like, you know, for mm -hmm. me, I can speak about my own experiences and what's helped me. Like, I think um, just understanding that maybe this is a good thing. Uh, maybe it is a process of healing that's happening um, that you really need in order to move forward. And it feels really shitty now. But um, like, if there's things that we can do to help regulate ourselves, like, there's also that risk of, like, feeling overwhelmed by bad feelings and then needing to self-medicate. Um, and, you know, I get it. Like, mm -hmm. I think anyone, everybody, every single person during this time is looking for ways to soothe themselves. Um, so... Yeah, it's just really tricky, like maintaining that balance of like finding ways to emotionally regulate and soothe yourself and give yourself what you need um, to get through feeling this way. But at the same time, um, still having a growth perspective. I don't know if that helps or makes sense at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we are definitely finding it tricky yet. Yeah, well, this week we've, we've tried to recommit to 
self-healing and being good to ourselves because I think it, we were doing too much yeah. on the self-medicating and self-soothing and not, you know, not letting ourselves feel a bit of the discomfort that's happening now and just trying to get through it without feeling too much. So we're definitely back on track, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Back on track, trying to... Early, early days. But early days. <laughs> first steps have been taken. I think, I think throughout this whole process or this whole experience I just every day is a new day I just keep saying it over and over again I just can't hold on to the what happened yesterday and like how maybe I didn't cope well the day before and just hope that I did better tomorrow Mm -hmm. or do better I think that's a really good way to look at it and I really like what you said about um, self-soothing versus self-healing because there's yeah there's going to be times where we just need to be comforted um with whatever that may be, but asking ourselves, like, is this, is this serving me? Is this actually going to help me feel better? And then going towards more of those activities that are self-healing and, and finding, finding those, like, I think I'm in a similar place, like where I'm sick of numbing or avoiding through stuff. That's not, that's not good for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking for ways to sit with those emotions and sit with that discomfort while still taking care of myself. So um, that's where riding my bike comes in. Like, I think I, I process so much through moving my body and, uh, I'm totally like one yeah. of those gym rats. Like I have like all the fancy memberships. Like I love going to the gym and I know it's like a big waste of money, but for me, like, I feel like it's how I process my day and work through my emotions and feel like part of a community without really having to do anything. Uh, so, you know, not having that, mm-hmm has been really hard but then yeah so I started to ride my bike and enjoying that and using that as a time to sort of help process what I'm feeling but also knowing that I'm doing something good for my body and not just poisoning it by like watching tv or like drinking wine mm-hmm. yeah yeah do you want to talk a bit about um your what you're doing for schooling right now and kind of like the career path you're on, because I think this all takes a, even a more meaningful uh, tone. Um, I really enjoy listening to people who are doing what I know you're, you're doing right now uh, while also kind of dealing with their own. So uh, their own I'm stuff. in my second year of my doctorate in clinical psychology and specializing in trauma so far. So um uh, I don't know, I'm laughing as I'm saying this, right? Because I'm like, why? (laughs) But honestly, I feel really lucky to be able to do this because it just, uh, you know, as you learn to heal other people, you inevitably learn to heal yourself. Um, So I think that you see Mm -hmm. that, you see, um, you see this a lot in helping professions. Like it's that old trope, like the, um, the wounded healer. So that exists for a reason. And do you feel like that? Like that? So I did a a counseling program as well. And kind of by the time I was done, um, I kind of felt like, you know what? I feel like Mm -hmm. I really did that more for myself than something that I was going to do as a career. Uh, Even though I enjoyed it, I just something about it wasn't right for me, but I knew that that's why uh, in in reflecting back, I knew that that's why I've done it. I think you've been on a much longer and more defined career path. So I assume it's not the same. I assume you're still planning on using it as far as a career. 
but do you feel like you have an aspect of that of it just kind of in a way mm-hmm. to, to it's help funny you should say that because things? i really resisted that at the beginning like um there were so many times where like you're as in your training to be a therapist you really have to look at yourself um in a very honest way before you can really be there for other people because if you don't they say that then your issues are going to enter into that therapy room whether you want them to or not and I think for a long time I really resisted that and I really Mm. put on this hat of I'm a clinician and uh, you know if I were if I were in medical school like people wouldn't ask me not to treat a cancer patient because I myself had cancer so I kind of treated it the same way but it's so Mm. funny because it does not work that way in real life like you cannot escape from Um, some of the things that you feel inside of you that you see in other people. So I think reluctantly, it has helped me a lot on my journey, but that's not how I intended it to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember um, you speaking about just some of the workshops you had, had done and just hearing like your like recanting what had happened even I was like whoa that would be like just sitting through that and talking about those deep emotions like mm-hmm. I feel just in listening to you would feel my own come up I was like wow I don't know how you do it <laughs> like how you sit and like especially mm-hmm. all um, when you're um, doing the narrative therapy workshops those those ones that, that I, I walked away and I was like wow mm-hmm. the work happening out there to help people is amazing but I would have to do so much work on myself first <laughs> Would you mind sharing a bit about that? Like what is narrative therapy and um, kind of how are we using it um, as a society these days? Sure, yeah. I'm really into this this idea that um, pe- from a very young age, we are told stories about who we are. Um, and throughout life, you go along with these narratives. And then, you know, as you get older, you start to create some of your own. And at some point, a lot of people realize that that's not really their true narrative of who they are or how they how they see themselves. Um, so it's time that they sort of took agency and rewrote their story and who they want to be. And I think that idea really appealed to me in so many different ways, because if we look at a lot of mental health issues, like I cannot help but connect it with um larger socioeconomic issues like it's like saying to somebody um you are depressed because you have a chemical imbalance whereas like i i can't help but look at issues like uh you're depressed because you're poor you're a single mother you have no resources uh you face discrimination like so i feel like um narrative therapy really speaks to me because of that social justice element, right? That we have to look at the different stories society has, has told us about who we are and how we should live as opposed to creating our own ones that serve us and serve mm-hmm. humanity. So, sorry, that was very long-winded. <laughs> I could have... No, no I, I enjoy it. it. So I, I could just listen to it all day. I, I mean, eventually yeah I mean in order to be a good therapist uh, you do have to do that own work and I guess it's it's happening for me but really kind of like slowly and um, in a way that I'm gaining lots of insights and uh, I think what this profession also helps me understand is that like 
suffering is universal. Like everybody has different varying degrees of suffering and we cannot compare. And um, yeah, like, so if I am in a room and somebody else is in pain, um, I'm able to sit with them and feel their pain and not think about my own. So I'm also learning that I'm mm. able to do this. So it, the, the fact that all of this is bringing up my own issues doesn't scare me. Right. That's, that's, a, that's pretty great. I think it's still really hard, like even as an adult now, for me to sit with people mm. with certain types of pain and not feel my own. Like for, for some things it's totally fine, but other things it's so triggering mm -hmm. or so like brings you back to that day one where you're just reliving all those emotions again. So yeah, that, I don't know. I think that's for me, that, that would be great growth. I don't know if it's ambitious or if I could do the work, but yeah, it would be interesting if I could ever be at that place where I could sit mm -hmm. with someone else. I mean, no, no one can do that um, all of the time. Like that's also like why as therapists, like we have to really consult and get supervision and always have a mentor because we're human beings. So obviously things will come up for us. Um, so it's just like an ongoing work in, in progress. And I mean, I, I wouldn't say that, I wouldn't characterize it as, as growth either. Like I also have a part of me that is, has a very clinical mind and I like to solve puzzles and mysteries and uh, you know, working with people also th that have severe mental illness in a lot of cases, like this is something that's very, not very well understood by society. And there's so much stigma against uh, people with severe mental illness. And I think for me, like to be part of a community that can help give them a voice, help dispel myths. Like there, there's also like all of these other things that make me a good clinician. And I don't know that it's growth. It's curiosity in a lot of cases. Hmm. Yeah, that's, I don't know. It's very, I, I find it all very interesting. I'm, I'm sure I could just like keep going down and go deep and, and get, like just pull lots of knowledge out of out of you. It's definitely led me um, down some good reading paths and sharing some things with you need even in our own, like just, yeah, in my own narrative and what I tell myself and, and who I am, which might not all be true to who I actually am if I look at where I'm getting mm -hmm. some of those ideas from or those stories from. So, um, so now like just kind of, of changing topics a little bit, like what, what are you finding has been re really positive? Are you getting any really positive things out of this that maybe wouldn't have happened because of this other than like any sort of personal growth or are there any other positive things that you might take into the next phase of your mm -hmm. life? Mm -hmm. when yeah, totally. Living COVID yeah, there's been like it's... emotionally it has been, has been rough, but there's so many other aspects of it that have been actually really great. Like I, um, I've been reading tons and I think like I'm kind of lucky because like I get such joy and escapism out of reading and I know that that isn't the case for for everyone but like I'm never really bored at home like how could I be bored I have so many books there's so many places I can go even in my own mind and mm -hmm. I've just had more time for that and that's been so much fun and um just like reading for joy and reading for pleasure and curiosity and like I've started to write again I've been feeling very creative um, I bought a piano I'm taking piano lessons online I mean it, I've had so much time awesome. to play and think and be creative and it's it's been good and these are things that 
I'm definitely going to carry forward because, um, and Michelle, you know this about me, like my life is scheduled to the hour. Like that's how I like to function. Like I like to know what I'm doing every hour. And if there's a spare hour, I mm-hmm. ask myself, could I be more productive in that? And I know it's a bit pathological, but I mean, you've known me for years. Like I've yeah. always been this way. I like being this way. And now I've been forced to not be this way because it, like there's, there's no school, school's canceled. Like no one's going to work. Like there's nothing to do. There's yeah. no schedule. So I've started to make a schedule again. I have to admit it's like a half time schedule. Like I do half the amount of things I normally would, but um, I, I don't know that I'll go back to that sort of severely type a rigid um, obsessed with productivity type of life. And maybe you don't believe me mm-hmm. because you've never. Yeah. But I just, <laughs> I'm just I'm having mm-hmm. so much fun doing <laughs> these things and I don't want to give it up. So yeah, hopefully this lasts a bit longer. Well, and doesn't it make it seem like bullshit half the stuff we do anyways yeah. is just totally total meaningless and like yeah. Total bullshit. And then it just brings it to light. You're like, oh yeah, I didn't need to do like 70% exactly. of my day and, and I'd still like, be okay. You know, that's such an oppressive way to think that we have to be productive all the time. It comes from that idea, time is money. And it is so like just so dubious, right? To like influence people to think this way. And I think now that a lot of people have been forced to uh, look at time differently and look at productivity differently. I, I hope this is a lasting change for everyone. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if it is like I wonder if once we get back to life, if we just quickly slip back into old habits, or if we'll be so starved for things to do, we'll just schedule ourselves right back up. But yeah, I'm hoping. I'm hoping that I can. I can save some space, like. I don't know I felt like mm-hmm. before I was using a lot of my time for things I really enjoyed so even though I was busy I felt like I was using my time well but I'm sure like we've we talked about this in the early days mm. I never see the mm-hmm. need to grocery mm-hmm. shop again mm-hmm. like I don't know why I was doing that <laughs> I don't know why I was using my time to do things like that and there's just other little things like I used to be obsessive about like cleaning things a certain way or ha- spending all this time doing things inside my house whereas now I'm really regret mm. not spending even more time outside mm-hmm. I had done that so that I might change that how much outside time mm-hmm. are you getting like I know you said you ride your bike mm. um is that basically it uh, or um that's basically that? it just because I live downtown and there's still people everywhere so um I'm hesitant to go for walks I feel safer on my bike and I just enjoy being on my bike I can go further and find quiet spots to chill out. So I feel like I am getting a decent amount of outside time. Do you have, um, like, I know we haven't seen each other because we're, Uh we've been really strict about our isolation. We haven't seen anyone. And are you seeing anyone? Like, do you meet up with people? Um, Do you have like a social circle that you're kind of isolating? So we see each other. I see Hina. Yeah. Uh, and they're not really and they both live alone and they're not seeing other people so like yeah I've had like two girlfriends and Mm. I'm not seeing my family because my mom is still at work and my dad's older Um, 
and then uh the dolly walls mike's family i've been over a couple of times to hang out in their backyard so it hasn't been horrible like it's been okay in terms of like not nearly as much as i would normally see my family um so yeah it's it's been lonely but i think i think it's been not horrible compared to some people who haven't barely seen anyone at all i feel lucky yeah and you mentioned that you mentioned the beginning or we joked about that but you said you were hopeful with the changes with what they announced today maybe let's let's stay down the the hopeful and positive path you want to talk a bit about kind of hearing that and what your thoughts are on what's going on and what you see kind of going forward from here for the next couple of months i have a really hard time with this just because i feel like i know so little like things change so quickly and um I don't know. I feel like I don't know what to believe. I don't know what's the truth. So I'm very hesitant about mm-hmm. making projections. Um, but I feel like, I don't know, like if I had to guess, like it seems to me like, it seems to me like, yeah, we'll start to sort of get some semblance of normality this summer. I still think people are going to be cautious though. And, and, and rightfully so. Well, are you going to, more for yourself, like, are you going to follow these things? Like they're saying, okay, now you can go to bars, but you still kind of distance. Um, You can go to like, you know, hair salons. You could see a couple of friends, like have a barbecue, but don't have too many. You could see certain members of your family, but not the ones who might be prone or have higher risk. Like, are you, do you see yourself as following kind of all that? Are you going, are you um, going to be going out to bars and I hanging out with friends and stuff? I don't going out to bars, no. I think I'm going to, I don't know. I'm just going to do what makes me feel comfortable. Like, I'm going to pick and choose what I think is, is important and what I need um, to be happy and go from there. But, like, just because the government's, like, everything's open now, like, it doesn't mean that I'm just going to, like, run around and do everything. Um, I think it's going to take a while for me to feel comfortable, mm-hmm. um, but I'm looking forward to being able to seeing to see more people. So I will I will start to introduce people back into my life in the coming weeks. I don't know. Will you hug? I don't know. It's hard yeah. not to. It's hard not to. I don't know. Like. I just feel like it's, hard. it's harder yeah, too I, right I now. Know. I feel like it's going to be, uh, I'm going to have a cautious approach moving forward. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm so, I'm so torn about it. I haven't read all the restrictions. I didn't see yeah. that like hair salons and stuff are going to open again. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just thought, I just saw like dentists and things like that. They have to submit plans and stuff for how they're going to do it. And it's going to be like phased in and they say they can, you know, they'll lock it down again if it starts to spread, but mm. we'll get deeper into it tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I don't, I would never, I would never say that I'm a hugger. Like I'm just, I, I'm not like how, you know, some mm-hmm. people hug everyone they see it. That's not me at all. But mm-hmm. with my like, close circle I definitely am 
And so even I dropped mm-hmm. something off with my, my sister the other day. And I just left it outside her building and I was just standing away. Aww. And yeah, my niece came out and it's so hard. It's not hard. It's hard not to just be like, oh, come here. And instead, instead she came mm-hmm. running and me and my sister are both like, stop. Yeah, it is sad. <laughs> stop it's what sad. you're doing. <laughs> but, yeah. So yeah, I'm like, I'm looking forward to things being better. But yeah, I guess I just need to read more and decide. Yeah. I think it's just a matter of like, you know, I think any intelligent person is going to look at the risk involved and make decisions based on that. Like, I mean, it doesn't just because the government opens things, it doesn't mean that it's always best for you. But, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. They're thinking of you as a group, as a country. Mm -hmm. They're not thinking necessarily about individuals, right? That's kind of what, that's what they have to do. It's yeah. not like saying, I'm not saying it negatively as like government suck. Like they don't, they of don't course. have a choice. They can't mm-hmm. think about each yeah. person individually. It has to be the group. And so what's best for the group mm-hmm. is for society to, to get back mm-hmm. to normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm still like, it's way, ever since I heard that today, I heard it at work, the things were going to change. And it just brings a level of, oh, sorry, my pen keeps saying this thing. Um, It just brings a level yeah. of like, I don't know, I don't like the unknown. I'm like, I'm really struggling with like, not knowing what's next. And like, even like with work, mm-hmm. like, when will I have to go back to an office? Like, when is that decision made? It, what if it happens too early for me? What do I mm-hmm. do? Like, what if they say, okay, we're back, and I'm not ready? <laughs> like, Yeah, I just don't know how even yeah. like businesses and people are going to react. And yeah. I'm just not I mean, sure there's yet. There's so many so. questions. And you know, it, t- it really takes a mental toll. Like it makes you, I'm like, I'm mentally exhausted. Like playing out all the different scenarios in my head all day. And I'm mm-hmm. sure other people are too. Um, it's, yeah, it's very, like there's a lot of anxiety around uncertainty. So I totally get that. Do you have any... Uh, professional tips like if you were seeing someone um, who's saying these same things to you would you have do you have any advice for people dealing with um, um, I think just anxiety? based on going back to what Michelle and I were talking about what we do for ourselves like we have to look at you know being able to have the strength to sit with those negative emotions sometimes our emotions are telling us something um, you know but at the same time we have to protect ourselves and get out of this state and looking for those really those activities that are going to make you feel um, self-healing rather than self-soothing I and that's I think you know that's kind of what I do Mm -hmm. for myself and that includes a lot of things like moving my body and getting fresh air like I don't think I would survive this um, and be in an okay spot if I didn't do those things Um, so just finding out what those activities are for you and getting to them because we don't have the answers like I think we can't solve the uncertainty Uh, we can just help each other manage the anxiety around it. Mm-hmm. yeah I I too like I feel like it that that's what kind of sucks right now because I um I love to walk that's what I would do to deal with a lot of this like get outside and that we're just not doing that right now we've been out twice now like I've gone out to do groceries and mm-hmm. um, we're trying to move so I've gone to look at a couple of houses but mm-hmm. yeah we just aren't you need even Parker have you seen twice. any houses that you like since early March mm. 
No. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we saw we saw one that was like okay, and we thought maybe that one. But then I'm also just like I've spoken with Eve about this too. It's so hard to make a decision right now. Like we definitely feel like we need to get out of the city. Mm-hmm. Like we're just feeling a little trapped inside our building. But at the same time, if we move too far out and I have the same yes. job, what happens when I have mm-hmm. to start going in to the office? I'm yeah. not I'm not a commuter. I yeah. Never have been. <laughs> That's why we live downtown. I'm just yeah. And, and it's not even not not even just about when it reopens, but you know how they're saying there could be another wave in fall. So it's like, mm-hmm. well, yeah. How, how do you weigh anything when you have so much uncertainty? Yeah. We're like, okay, it might be reopened, but then it might close, or it might not mm-hmm. reopen at all, or it might just open and stay mm-hmm. open if they find a vaccine yeah. or something it's like really, that. It's really really hard right now to make so long term decisions because you don't know what's going to happen and how things look it's yeah i feel you that's a really difficult place to be mm-hmm. in um having to sort of make decisions for your future self when you're not sure how things are going to turn out yeah and it's kind of weird too it's almost like you can't uh, i can't i'm not sure if i'm going to explain it properly but i want to make a decision but there's a part of me that like I went through the grieving my old life and that things might change permanently, but there's part of me that's holding on to hope that's saying, okay, you know what? In a few weeks, everything could go back to normal. (laughs) I could just go back to my old life and then no decision needs to be made at this time because I was happy before. So I could just stay, but I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what that is. Uh, I guess that's strong denial. Sounds a strong undercurrent. Can you psychoanalyze Michelle right now on the air? No, I think it's like these are all valid questions, Michelle. And they could go back to some semblance of normality. We just actually don't know. So, I mean, everybody's thinking that. Everybody is thinking that. Like, I think it is it is wise to Mm -hmm. hold off on making long term decisions right now and also just what I mentioned before like there's so much on our minds like I'm mentally exhausted I can't like I it's hard for me to keep my focus on Mm -hmm. things like um there's just this like low level of chronic stress it's hard it's hard to make decisions in that state and sometimes and sometimes we can't trust our thoughts yeah um yeah yeah the problem at least for us specifically is yeah. having a kid who's trapped inside the house all day and so sometimes the short term has to well we don't know if it has to but this is the thinking some of the time is the short term is important in this situation like mm-hmm. you know if we're just single and it's just us then right right it's easier to to just tough it out yeah um, and also like no decision is yeah. irreversible right like it can like nothing's nothing's permanent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, <laughs> and they're already saying like schools are for sure. If if they open at all, it's going to be um, optional, and they'll be trying to do some sort of distancing. Although I I find hard to imagine how that can be possible in an elementary school, but so. I mean that at least that decision is yeah. there that yeah. we know it's for sure not till September. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now, I mean, I think we already knew that. Yeah. Even if they had opened, we probably wouldn't have sent him back. But at least, yeah, yeah, at least some of the pieces are starting to fall into place. 
And what about you? Has your work or your school said anything? Do they have like a long-term plan about um, what they're going to do? You know if, what? If things like transition I, back? Actually, I've been kind of lucky in that um, my school and work has like, it's been kind of like seamless for me. Um, so for school, mm-hmm. we moved online and um, yeah, it's been fine and continue on. Uh, work is so easy to do remotely and we take turns going into the office um, so when we do need to have an office day we're able to have that so yeah like I don't like it hasn't been as jarring for me as it's for other people um, so I feel kind of like it'll be a slow transition back but everything is working perfectly fine the way it is mm-hmm. I wonder if other people are finding that too like like even my work I feel like our productivity has gone up and I'm sure there's a number of factors but yeah everyone's working remotely and productivity has gone up like I don't think Mm -hmm. people always expect that to happen and I was speaking with someone today who like knows about this larger organization that's related to um, physicians and they were saying that they won't require anyone to come back to the office until there's a vaccine and so I thought that was pretty crazy. So they must have a really good remote working setup where they could yeah, just have that as a standard so early. Some organizations are able to move, but yeah, I know. Yeah, but it'll be a slow yeah, transition. Still all up in the air. I don't think anything will happen overnight. Like I think um, it'll be like spoon fed to us, so it doesn't feel like um, another shock to the system. Yeah. I think, I hope, anyways. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see in this first wave. Because I think early on they did say, like, they, like the way they had flattened the curve, then they'll go to 60%, see what happens. And then it's like, you know, they just do the percentages each time of how much yeah. they reopen. So, yeah, I guess we'll see. We'll see what happens. And then at some point, wherever Eneva and I start feeling yes. safe enough, I hope. Uh, we we get to see each other again. It's like uh, no, yeah, it's not. The I same. mean, Facetime's great, no, really but it's not seeing the same. you guys. And I know that as same. soon as we can, we will. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, any like last positive takeaways you maybe want to share with people and just remind them about this time? Like, yeah, any, like any. I- and yeah, any upbeat I mean, things you'd been, like to it's share? It's really tough, but like <laughs> last, it's also last a little period of change and growth. And I, I think, you know, this struggle will, I think, benefit us in all sorts of ways that we haven't realized yet. So I feel personally like I'm going to come out of this um, a little bit more resilient and a little bit more in touch with myself and, and what makes me happy. So I do feel, even though it's really hard right now, I do feel optimistic like optimistic about my future well, that's great drink wine um, and call me i'll help you that way as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay we'll talk, talk to you this weekend we'll see you this weekend <laughs> thanks guys talk for having me weekend. on i really appreciate that <laughs> yeah thanks, thanks so, so much, much. oh no problem and thanks sorry pleasure. for all the technical difficulties okay. thank we you for hanging you. in there bye talk soon bye